Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Story time. As I led the team of archaeologists at the site, we were eager to uncover any art. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary artifacts that would shed light on the ancient Native American civilization that had once thrived in the area. We had been digging for weeks, but we had no idea that we were about to unearth something far more sinister. As we began to excavate the burial site, strange occurrences began to happen. One of our workers, a young man named Jake, suddenly collapsed and died, his body racked with convulsions. A few days later, another worker, an elderly woman named Mrs. Garcia, was found dead in her tent, her body twisted in an unnatural position. We were all spooked, but we soldiered on, determined to uncover the secrets of the burial site. However, as we continued to dig, we began to realize that we were dealing with something far beyond our understanding. Strange symbols were etched into the walls of the burial chambers, and the air was thick with a sense of foreboding. I knew that we had to report our findings to the local authorities. However, as soon as we did, we were met with a wall of secrecy. Secret FBI officials arrived at the site, ordering us to cease all work and to keep our mouths shut about what we had found. They claimed that they were there to investigate a possible terrorist threat, and that the excavation site was now considered a crime scene. I was furious. I knew that something was being covered up and that the lives of my colleagues had been put in danger. I began to investigate on my own, determined to get to the bottom of the mystery. Thank you Horror Den, for giving me opportunity to tell you my story.
I'll keep you updated. My name is Tom, and I'm a park ranger at Yosemite National Park. It's my job to protect the park's wildlife, and ensure that visitors follow the rules. But when I stumbled upon evidence of illegal hunting in the woods, I knew that something was seriously wrong. I followed the trail of broken branches and disturbed underbrush, and soon discovered a group of hunters huddled around a map. They were talking in hushed tones, and I couldn't make out what they were saying. But when they noticed me standing there, they quickly packed up their gear and tried to make a run for it. I managed to catch up with them and demanded to see what they were hunting. At first, they were hesitant to show me, but eventually, they revealed that they were tracking Bigfoot. I was shocked. I knew that hunting was forbidden, but Bigfoot? Are they messing with me or are they high? In any case, I decide to play their game and I tell them that Bigfoot hunting was strictly forbidden in the park, and I told the hunters that they needed to leave immediately. But they didn't listen. They were determined to catch the creature and make a fortune selling it to the highest bidder. For the next few days, I tried to keep an eye on the hunters, but they were crafty. They moved through the woods quickly and quietly, leaving no trace behind. And then, one day, they disappeared entirely. I searched the area for any signs of them, but they were nowhere to be seen. It was as if they had vanished into thin air. If they found Bigfoot, I guess that creature eaten them. Growing up in the mountains of North Georgia, camping and hiking were things me and my brother did so often it was second nature. So anytime Ryan and I had a break from school we would head straight for the woods. We packed our gear, let our parents know where we were going and that was that, no questions asked. We decided to camp about midways through Jack's River Trail in the Cahutta Wilderness and it's a trail we knew fairly well as we had used to a few times before to practice long hikes. We arrived at the trailhead around lunchtime, parked the car, got our gear out, and headed into the woods. We passed a few hikers as moved along and asked them how the trail looked and the answer was always the same, wet. Jack's River Trail probably crossed the river 50 times as it went along its 17 mile plus journey and with the colder temperatures of late fall settling in it was harder for the trail to stay dry. We moved deeper into the trail and started to look for a place to make camp. This is where Ryan and I made our first mistake. You see, Ryan and I have this rule. We don't camp near people if at all possible. Call us paranoid but the last thing we want is for someone to drag us out of our tents and into the woods never to be seen again. So we always camped a pretty decent ways off of the trail and in the area that wasn't popular with overnight camping. Roughly two and a half hours or so we found what we thought was the perfect place to set up for the two nights that we would be out. We came up to Horseshoe Bend and ventured about half a mile off the trail into a clearing and set up. We built a teepee fire lay for that night and pitched our tents on either side. After setting up and unloading we decided to walk back to the trail and go exploring around some of many swimming holes Jack's River had to offer. This was during Thanksgiving break and I remember being surprised at how few people were on the trail. Maybe it was the weather or the fact that this was early in the week, but there didn't seem to be anyone hiking much less staying the night. Around 5 o'clock Ryan and I headed back to camp to start our fire, make dinner, and settle in for the night. As soon as the sun began to set the cold rushed in. We added more wood to the fire, sat close and just enjoyed conversation. Ryan was two years behind me in school. I was a senior and he was a sophomore but growing up we had always been close. We always hung out in the same groups, played the same sports, had the same hobbies, etc. Around 9 we were settled comfortably around the fire. I had just texted our mom to let her know we were safe and getting ready for bed and I remember we were talking about dreading going to our grandparents house for Thanksgiving and having the same awkward conversations we had each year with family we only saw on holidays when things started to get strange. We were no stranger to sounds in the woods and these woods were full of animals, from deer to black bears and even the random wild boar. 
If you are in the woods enough you learn to distinguish certain sounds and what we were hearing I can only chalk up to as odd. What Ryan and I heard was what sounded like someone sneaking around slowly just out of eyesight. With an animal walking on four legs you hear a tighter group of steps but what we were hearing sound very distinct to what a human sounds like when walking slowly or trying to move without making much sound. I remember we both pulled out our flashlights and shone it in the direction we felt the sounds were coming from but that is what was so weird. Whenever we would fix our lights on a spot we thought the sound were coming from the location of the sound would suddenly change. It was as if there were multiple people walking around us. That's when the whistling started. At first I thought it was the wind and I remember thinking maybe the wind is just throwing leaves around and what we are hearing is nothing but the wilderness around us. Ryan looked at me and asked if I was hearing that. I didn't answer and was trying to focus hard on each individual sound. Two consecutive notes with roughly a 3 to 4 second gap and then two more consecutive notes. Over and over again. Ryan kept asking if I heard that and I put my finger to my lips trying to keep him from talking. The fear I felt was incredible. My jaw was tight, my fist clenched, knowing I wasn't ready for whatever was out there if it was anything at all. The whistling continued for what felt like forever but thinking it through was maybe 5 minutes when Ryan finally yelled out into the darkness. Hey! Quiet! The whistling stopped. The crunching of the wood stopped. Nothing. I was pissed. I looked at Ryan with a what the hell look and he shrugged his shoulders. I had to do something, he said. I just shook my head. We sat there in silence for a few minutes when the woods erupted with noise. Something or someone was running in a circle around our campsite. The whistling came back. Two consecutive notes with the same 3 to 4 second gap and then two more consecutive notes. How could someone whistle this loudly without cracking while also running? I was done. I stood up shining my flashlight in all directions trying to catch a glimpse of whatever was screwing with us. Nothing. It felt close enough to touch but we never saw a thing. That's when the movement stopped but the whistling was still constant. It was so loud. Inhumanly loud. I looked at Ryan and told him to call the police. Now this is the part I will never forget. The part I never like to talk about. While Ryan was on the phone with the dispatcher and telling them our location and what was going on I stepped around the fire towards my tent. Inside my bag I had a 6 inch fixed blade that I always carried and thought I would feel a bit more comfortable with it in my hand more than just my flashlight. As I went to unzip my tent, trying to keep my eyes toward the woods, I heard some movement directly in front of me. I swept my light up in front of me and for maybe 2 seconds I saw it. Whatever this person or thing was, it was about 5 feet up in a tree. Everything about it was long. Its arms, legs, neck, fingers, everything. And it was fast. As soon as the light hit it launched backwards off of the tree. I heard it land but it either jumped an impossible distance or landed in a thicket because I heard it but never saw. I don't think I have ever yelled so loud. I ran back to where Ryan was and sat down. He kept asking me what I saw but I couldn't answer. I just kept thinking about what I saw. Maybe 10 minutes later we saw a couple of flashlight beams coming through the woods and about 3 guys came into view asking if everything was okay. I settled a bit and started asking them if they had seen or heard anything. All they said was they heard a lot of movement and then heard my scream and that's when they headed in our direction. I tried to explain what had happened without sounding crazy but it didn't seem to work. One of the guys walked around a bit and came back and said he didn't see anything. Ryan told them that we called the police and roughly 30 minutes later a park ranger showed up. Ryan and I tried explaining everything to him but he just chalked it up to either a curious animal or some campers trying to mess with us. Either way Ryan and I decided we weren't staying the night. We packed our stuff up and walked out of the woods with the ranger. He took our statement and we got in our car and drove home. Ryan and I don't talk about what happened that night but neither of us have been back to Jack's River Trail and will probably never go back.
My man in black encounter happened in 2011 and it was something that I'll never forget. First, a bit of a backstory. Prior to the man in black incident, I went on a camping trip to Joshua Tree National Park, California with a few friends. On our last night there, we were looking at the stars in front of the campfire. That's when I witnessed a couple of glowing blue UFOs in the night sky going at amazing speeds. I couldn't believe what I was seeing and my friends were equally amazed and mystified. I tried to take a photo with my flip phone but the UFOs moved too fast for me to get a clear image of them. On our drive back home, we talked more about what we saw and were really excited about it. Not long after, I noticed a black car following me from a distance. I switched lanes to make sure the black car was in fact following me and sure enough wherever I went the car followed. Then when I glanced at my rearview mirror again, the car suddenly disappeared without a trace, which was really unsettling. Now, the man in black encounter. The next day, after running a few errands I started driving home and when I arrived at my house I saw a black Cadillac parked in my driveway. I tried to convince myself that it wasn't the same black car following me a day ago but my gut feeling told me otherwise. When I got out of my car, two men in matching black suits, light gray dress shirts, black ties, and black fedoras approached me and asked if they could ask me a few questions about what I witnessed the night before. I asked them who they were and to see some credentials. They claimed that they worked for a division of the US Air Force. Their appearance looked what I can only describe as plastic and expressionless and they both had a pale olive skin tone. They spoke in a raspy, monotone voice and their speech was very precise, sounding almost synthetic. They also had a very cold and intense gaze. Some of the questions they asked were, can you describe what you saw that night? What do you think you saw? Did you take any photos of what you witnessed? Were there others who might have had recording devices or cameras? Do you know if anyone recorded the incident? Have you spoken about this incident with anyone else who wasn't present with you that night? Did you find any unusual debris at the location you were that night? Would you be withholding any important information from us? Of course, I didn't answer most of their questions honestly and I did withhold a lot of information as to what I saw and who I was with. They ended their questioning by strongly advising me to refrain from talking about what I witnessed with anyone and to forget the incident ever happened. They also strongly implied that they would be keeping an eye on me in case I decided to ignore their demands. After the encounter, I had this constant ominous feeling for a while and always looked over my shoulder wherever I went. I don't know who these men were or how they had knowledge of what I saw that night, but I believe that they were the men in black. Since that encounter, I've been really hesitant and careful about who I share my experience with but I finally decided to share it here. During the years following that incident, I've only had a couple of UFO sightings at night on separate occasions but I haven't had any more visits from odd men dressed in black, not yet anyway. I moved to Minnesota about six months ago, it's a pretty cold state. More or less I love it here, it's very peaceful and when it snows it's really beautiful. However, my image of Minnesota was changed last night. Me, my mom, and my stepfather were all sitting down watching a movie in the living room. As the movie was about to end we paused it because my mom wanted to go smoke and I had to use the restroom. Once I'm back from using the restroom I go and sit down with my stepdad. A few seconds later my mom opens the patio door and yells for us to get out there. We rush outside and she tells us that she started hearing the noise of something big walking in the snow. When she started to look around for where the noise was coming from, about 40 feet away was a white trailer. She said that when she looked over there she saw something with red eyes staring at her. She said that it looked like a really big dog. At first my stepdad said that it was probably a coyote. Then I started to think on how my mom heard a coyote walking in the snow 40 or 50 feet away. I realized that it had to have been something very big. I've always been one to believe in paranormal things. My mother, not so much. We look around for a bit longer then we go back inside. 
A few hours later I leave my room to go grab a soda so I can continue playing Halo. After the whole event I've had this unshakable feeling. So I decided to just look outside to reassure myself that she was seeing things. As my eyes scan the edge of the woods I don't really see anything. I take a deep breath and I grab the soda and close the fridge. As I close the door I glimpse out the window and freeze. Sure enough I see a pair of red eyes peering at me through the trees. I couldn't see much because of how dark it was. It was around 3 am. But I know what I saw. I saw something that I've never seen before. Those red eyes went right through me. Then as quick as I had seen them, they disappear. What did I see? About a year ago, I started dating someone who worked as a state park ranger who I'll call Jay. Jay lived on the state park property in a two-bedroom house tucked in the woods. We set the alarm and settled into bed around midnight with Jay's two dogs between us, and a third dog crated beside the bed. For some reason I couldn't fall asleep, so I lay listening to the dogs snoring and the deafening silence surrounding us while Jay slept. And then it started. A repetitive bouncing sound of some sort was coming from outside the window less than a few feet from where I was laying on the bed. As if someone was dribbling a basketball on cement. The pace would speed up and slow down. The sound would become louder and softer. This continued for well over two hours. I wholeheartedly wanted to believe what I was hearing were simply sounds of nature so I ignored it. Next came the creaks in the walls. I know that houses make sounds but this was unlike anything I had heard before. These sounds started in the hallway as very, very faint creaks. The creaks became louder as they reached Jay's bedroom, and would happen on one wall at a time going counterclockwise around the room until it eventually reached the wall beside me. The creak in the wall beside me was so loud I jumped and the two dogs jolted from their sleep. All the while, I'm still hearing a bouncing ball outside the window and I'm getting more nervous by the minute. And then at 3 am I hear it. I hear the most ungodly, terrifying growl shrieking from the center of the house. It was so loud that Jay flies off the bed, grabs a shotgun hanging on the wall adjacent to the bed and shouts, is somebody in the house? And takes off down the hallway towards the sound. The dogs are going berserk and I'm in tears absolutely beside myself pleading with Jay that it was not a person. Jay comes back into the bedroom after not finding an intruder or anything of sort and says it must have been one of the dogs. I tell him it was certainly not the dogs, as I was awake the entire night and the dogs were asleep in the room with us. Maybe an animal got caught underneath the house yeah, maybe I say. Somehow after I've calmed down a bit I drift off to sleep. The next thing I know Jay is on top of me with his hands around my throat, with the meanest look on his face, jerking my head back and forth suffocating me, and hurting me. I can't make any sound and I'm struggling to push Jay away and that's when I wake up. It was all a vivid dream. Jay is asleep beside me. In the morning we walk into the den to find the heater turned on full blast. It was the middle of summer. Jay only uses it during winter months as it is the original furnace and quite tricky to operate. I'm convinced something in that house did not want me there. That growl will forever haunt me. I grew up in a poor neighborhood in Fairbanks, Alaska. My friends and I used to play outside together quite a bit. In the summer, we'd stay up way too late. One such summer night, when I was about 16, a friend and I were bumming around the neighborhood and chatting. My friend claimed that a person could see further in the night if they lay in a prone position. I called BS, so naturally, we had to test it out. Before I continue, some context will help. We had lived in this neighborhood our whole lives. When we went to meet up to hang out, we would step outside, look down the street, and see each other coming from the other end of the street. I say this to impart to you the strong possibility that we have an accurate perception of depth, size, and walking speed in relation to the objects present in our neighborhood. So there we were two kids, lying in the middle of the road at night, yes, we were incredibly stupid. 
We were looking off towards my house, which has exactly one intersection and exactly one street light visible in that direction. I was pretty content that I had won our little debate when a silhouette walked in front of that street light. It was generally humanoid but seemed to be very tall and lanky. Its head seemed vaguely ovoid, but the rest of its body seemed kind of stretched out, too. Its movements were fluid and lithe. I don't know how to describe it exactly, smooth motions, like if walking were swimming. It appeared to be highly efficient motions, in a sense. The silhouette did not appear to be wearing any clothes. The hair on my neck stood up immediately, and I realized I was holding my breath with fear. It crossed the street very quickly, emerging from a set of pines on one side and disappearing into a set of pines on the other. It seemed to cross in three glide-like steps, lasting only a moment. So, much quicker than an adult human. My friend whispered in a panicked tone, did you see that? I said that I had, and we agreed to get the hell out of there. We ran back to his house, locked the front door, then went to his room to bolt the windows and locked his bedroom door just to be on the safe side. Naturally, I decided to crash there, but we just stayed up talking about what we saw and what it could be. I've told this story a couple times, and people always blow me off. Which is fine. I can appreciate skepticism. But the extra weird part, for anyone that bothers to believe me, is that we met someone else in our town who experienced the same thing. That same friend and I eventually wound up working for a pizza restaurant together as young adults. We were telling our assistant manager, not much older than us, that same story. He looked super spooked as we talked about it, and when he finished he said he saw it once, too, when he was walking home from a high school party. Once he saw it, he turned around and went back to the party to try to find a place to crash there, unpleasant as that was. So, here I am. I mostly keep it to myself, but when people are willing to listen I share it with the general sense that if they make fun of me I'll be alright. My co-workers now are surprisingly cool with it. They don't believe me, but they bought me an X-Files mug that says I wanna believe, just to show that it's no big deal. Despite so many people telling me my brain was playing tricks on me, I still keep my ear to the ground about humanoids, ETs, supernatural phenomena, and the like. Seen a couple UFOs since then, but nothing big. This whole thing probably happened around 6 or 7 years ago. I lived in the middle of nowhere, Ohio and had to make my own fun growing up. I was around 16 at the time and my friends and I decided to start ghost hunting on the weekends. We've experienced small stuff here and they're nothing too insane until we went to Rogue's Hollow. Rogue's Hollow was this old mining town where there was fires, disease, etc. that eventually made the town cease to exist. It's now a national or state park I'm not sure one of the two but any who we decide it's worth exploring. First off, this place is in the middle of absolute nowhere. I drove a 98 Chrysler Concorde in those days and it was an absolute chore getting there. The gang shows up. There's a total of four of us. It's getting pretty late and we notice the house slash lodge where the park ranger stays, so we park a bit off to avoid getting caught. Didn't work out too well. Five minutes later we are being questioned by an old guy who was the lone park ranger. He ended up being pretty cool and ended up telling us some of his personal experiences. He said he would we could continue on if we promised not to do any witchcraft or satanic rituals. Apparently that was a big problem he was dealing with. At this point we ventured back into the woods where the town previously was at and stuff started getting weird. We could hear what sounded like pickaxes, men working and voices in a lot of different directions. Needless to say we were getting a bit on edge. We decided to start recording on our little EVP device we had, I'll see if I can find it somewhere and upload some stuff. We were getting words like fire, death, devil, collapse. Eventually we stumbled on an old house. It definitely wasn't inhabitable and was about 50% burnt down. One of the others and myself decided to go inside of the house while the other two stayed back. 
As we approached the door we turned back to our friends to give the old wish us luck and they were sheet white looking at the second story of the building. Directly above us looking out the window down at us was a man from the shoulders up and slightly transparent. He then disappeared, not leaning back into the house, just boom gone. Usain Bolt would have been proud of my sprint time leaving that place. Fast forward to the next day and we decide to go back the next day and explore in broad daylight. We were walking two groups of two about 10 yards apart one in front of the other. I was in the back too. About 100 yards into the wood line and all of a sudden my friend and I both get grabbed on our shoulder, simultaneously hearing a very soft but distinct hello. At the same time we turned and booked it out of there. I haven't been back since. If you guys like this I'll post more of our ghost hunting experiences in the future. This happened to me and a group of friends during the summer of 2019. I'm not a great writer and my memory of the events might be hazy so I don't know if I can do this story justice because it was actually pretty terrifying for me at least. Also I don't know if this is even paranormal, but I've never had an experience like this before in my life and it's made me reconsider what I think when I hear other people's experiences and stories as I never used to believe. Last year I started hanging out with a few friends I went to high school with, playing smash, eating pizza and the like. We usually would get together around 10.30pm as most of us work during the day because we don't have classes during the summer. One night we decide to go to the nearby park, probably around midnight to run around and whatnot as teenagers do. They told me that sometimes they would see what they thought was a homeless guy hanging around the park or in the woods around the park, but they never got too close to him. They would jokingly refer to him as the sludge walker because that's the sound the wet ground would make when walking around in the park at night. The first time I go with two other people, I'll call them Mark and John. Mark is my close friend who I've known for a long time and the only one I was really familiar with in this group. He knows I'm kind of afraid of the dark and jokes about how creepy the sludge walker is. At this point I have no reason to be afraid so I laugh it off as him screwing with me. We get to the park and sit at the pavilion, run around the soccer fields, talk shit act. Eventually we run around the woods and meet back at the pavilion. After a couple minutes, Mark flips and tells us to start running. We do so, thinking the cops are coming as they sometimes patrol the park at night. When we are out of the park, Mark says he saw something coming out of the woods and it looked like a really tall dude. I call BS and think he's just screwing with me and trying to give us a cool story to tell the rest of the friends in that group. Fast forward a few weeks or so. They convince me to go back to the park. This time we intend to look for the sludge walker and see who or what it is. This time there are four of us and we split into two groups. We decide to go Mark and John. Paul and I Paul was like me in that neither of us used to believe in the paranormal or cryptids or anything like that. We are walking onto a path in the woods that surrounds the park and we hear a few twigs snap. I say that it's probably deer or some shit and we continue on. All of a sudden something drops down from the tree canopy and scares the shit out of us. It was a bat, go figure. But as we continue into the woods farther, Paul stops me and says to listen. We hear some leaves rustling behind us and I reach to get my flashlight out. I don't see what's in front of us, but Paul does. As I'm fumbling with my phone trying to get the flashlight, Paul hits the deck so I do as well. Then we hear something running up the path away from us. The footsteps were fast and sounded very heavy. I am freaking out at this point because although we were going to get mugged by some guy who was catching some Z's in the woods. It doesn't come back and we call the other group of people and hightail it out of the park. Paul says he saw the thing and it looked really tall with a hunched back and really long fingers. Again I call BS because that's every scary monster troop mixed into one and I brush it off as a homeless guy again. A few days later and we're all hanging out again. They say we should go back into the woods and check it out again. I disagree because Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen 
premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Because I don't want to come across homeless guy again. Again, I give in to peer pressure and my own curiosity and end up going with them. This time, we all stick together and are making our way through the woods and we hear it. As if from every creature horror movie you've ever seen, everything is dead silent when suddenly, this screeching erupts from the path behind us and we all book it as fast as we can out into the open. We are all freaked out, but Mark and John decide to run back into the woods and get a recording of this thing. They took a video even though it was dark and you can't see anything. But you sure can heat it. I am freaked out and none of us can figure out what this is. My sister hypothesized that it could be a fox screaming as they make a sound kind of like that, but we think this sound is polyphonic, two pitches at once, so we're all stumped. You know the drill by now, Mark, John and I are hanging out again and it's raining. I want to go back this time as I want to get to the bottom of this. Finally the rain lets up at about 3am and we suit up for a muddy trek and head out. Probably the worst mistake I could make is what happened next I still can't wrap my head around and I still can't sleep in complete darkness. We're in the park and almost immediately we someone very tall walking out from under the pavilion. He slash it's coming right as us as the light from the pavilion illuminates the figure walking at us. We run behind some tall bushes as I speculate it could be a cop slash park ranger coming to bust us for trespassing. We decide to take a peek and creep along the edge of these tall bushes. When we round the corner we see it, standing fully upright just a few feet in front of us. I didn't really get a good look at it, but I saw really long fingers, and some sort of cloth draped across its body, and it was at least 7 feet tall. We all start running and me being a total wuss, start actually screaming. I don't think I've ever ran faster in my entire life. I looked back a few times to see if it was following us and it was just walking along the bush line. I also noticed that it had multiple glowing eyes that were glowing a faint red color, which was the only way I could tell where it was. My adrenaline was going so hard I couldn't tell if it was making noise or not. I've never gone back and I don't intend to. I sometimes think that it was a homeless guy or someone who lives by the park screwing with us because I don't really believe in the paranormal but this is something I really can't explain any other way. Mark theorized that it could be a skinwalker or a windigo from urban legends. When I do tell people about this, I usually leave out the part about the glowing eyes as it just sounds stupid and crazy, but that's the part that keeps me from believing that it's just some guy. Everyone wants to have a weird or paranormal experience, but when you actually do, it sticks with you and can really mess with your head in the long term and in my case makes a 20-year-old sleep with a nightlight. If you actually read this and you have any questions, feel free to ask in the comments. This is my first Reddit post so I'll do my best to get back to you. This is going to sound totally unbelievable but I swear I saw something like a flying monkey last night. I was driving on a neighborhood street and this strange animal was on the roadway. I could see its head and it looked like a monkey to me but it was small like the size of a prairie dog or gopher. I kept saying what is that? I drove around it as it would not move, possibly dazed by my headlights. My friend thought it was a possum until we passed it and we both said that wasn't a possum. I quickly turned around and all I saw were huge wings, way too big for that animal, flying away. Now obviously I said, that had to be an owl or whatever it was just got snatched up by a giant owl. The problem is that this thing had a head and a neck and it was standing on two feet leaning forward staring right at the car and didn't move. I am so confused as to what I saw even though I was so close to it. I mean I see owls all the time, big ones too. I know what they look like. That thing in the road, if it was an owl, was a mutant owl. Even if I admit it was probably an owl, its wings were still far too big for its size. 
I have no idea what I saw but I swear it looked like a small monkey to me. I live in Florida and although I live near Jacksonville, Northeast Florida, in South Florida, there was a Walmart that had monkeys living in the parking lot due to owners letting them escape. So, it is possible that it was an escaped tiny monkey although extremely unlikely. But wings? The whole thing was so confusing. I recently had an experience that I'm. I'm just not sure about. I tried explaining it to my sister and I can't even put into words everything that happened, how I felt and everything. I feel I can share this here anonymously, created this profile just to share this. I don't want people to think I'm crazy, I mean I feel crazy when I discuss it, but. I have to tell someone who might understand. So recently I went on a bit of a road trip and visited a bunch of places in the Southwest, Utah and Colorado and Arizona and Southern California. I stopped at a park in Colorado that I hadn't initially planned on going to but had never been to, a place well known for its Native American history, various different tribal affiliations over time, that was absolutely beautiful. Honestly it was amazing and humbling, to see the history of the people here, it made me realize that there was so much more about American history than the rather Eurocentric view of colonialism I was taught. Anyways it was amazing. Given that this was November and very off-season half the park was not accessible and attendance was minimal, there were other people but overall it was very quiet. I had been viewing some building ruins atop the Mesa, one huge multi-room building and not that far away another large building with a very large kiva in the middle and on the southern side of building number two was a solstice carving on the wall. I was walking around the smaller solstice building as there was a couple walking around the large building and I enjoyed the quietness of being alone, and when I went to the large building they went to the solstice building, and then they left and I was going back to the solstice building to get some more pics of the solstice marker. I was now alone. It's hard to describe exactly what I felt and how everything went down but I'll try. It was a pretty nice day, temp in the upper 50s, I'm from the Midwest and that's still shorts weather to me, some light small clouds but not many, pleasant breeze, and a few birds chirping away and more than a few chipmunks all over. As I walked around the solstice building everything became just. Still. Like, the wind stopped, the animals went silent and disappeared, it was just weird. There was a large darkish cloud that came kinda out of nowhere and just hung there, it was a weird heaviness all over. And there was this smell of like, what I thought, just a dead animal. Like that sickly sweet smell of rotting meat, I assumed that there was like a dead deer or rabbit or something nearby that the wind had been blowing the smell away but the wind was gone and everything was just. Still and heavy. As I reached the solstice marker wall I noticed that on top of the wall, Mind you the walls are only too high or so, there was a piece of pottery. I swear that this pottery hadn't been there before, and it wasn't there in any of my first set of pictures looking back. It was a large broken piece, but now that I think back it was really clean, the blacks and whites very clear. I went and picked it up to get a closer look and it really was beautiful, a kind of stair pattern and then an angled set of lines, it was really pretty. But it felt. Weird oddly heavy for its size. And I wanted to keep it, I wanted to take it and just kept staring at it for what felt like. God it's so hard to describe how I felt but time stood still and all I wanted was this pottery. Even now thinking about it I still get this weird like, longing feeling for it. And as I held it everything was just silent and heavy and that smell was just so strong. But suddenly there was this huge raven out of nowhere. Legit on the wall like 5 feet from me was the largest bird I have ever seen in the wild, this huge raven just caught and flapped its wings and I kind of snapped back to reality. Honestly this raven was bigger than a friggin condor, its body was easily 3 tall and its wingspan just massive. I put the pottery piece down on the wall, back where I picked it up from and just looked at this bird and the bird just looked back at me and I turned and walked away. Just like that the dark clouds blew away and the wind returned and there were other birds chirping and the smell was gone, actually the smell all but vanished when the giant raven appeared. 
I got like 10 feet away from where I had been standing, just around the corner of the solstice ruins, and I turned around to see the raven, they've always been beautifully intelligent birds to me, and it was gone. I didn't hear it flap its wings to fly away and I didn't see anything in the sky, it was just gone. So was the piece of pottery, no longer on the wall. I went back to my car and headed back to the visitor's center, as besides being totally weirded out over what happened, it was getting late in the day and I had a fair bit of driving to do to get to my next stop down in Arizona. I had a good 35 minute drive back to the park entrance to reflect on what had happened and how weird I felt, honestly I felt like I had downed a bunch of Benadryl I was so foggy until the raven showed up. Even now I just really can't explain everything I felt. When I got to the visitor's center I was the only person in the visitor's center proper, besides the employees, and one guy was leaving as I entered. In the gift shop I was getting a mug, I get a mug from each park I visit, and was talking to the park ranger and the cashier who was an older American Indian woman, she later told me her mother was Southern Paiute and her father Navajo, about how awesome the park was, how I wished I had learned about more of these cultures in school, etc., when I told them about the piece of pottery. I also said something like oh yeah up at the far view sites there's a dead animal too, when the wind dies down you can smell it and the park ranger and the cashier kind of quickly looked at each other and then back to me. The cashier asked if the smell came before the pottery piece and I said yeah, the wind stopped and the animals were all quiet and basically told them everything I said above, I didn't tell them how much I wanted to take the pottery home. I didn't want to sound crazy or admit to how much I wanted to steal an artifact from a national park, but I did tell them how heavy everything got, how silent and still and stuff, and they just looked at each other a few times and kept quiet, except when I told them how this huge ass raven appeared the cashier let out a little gasp. When I finished my story they had a few questions about the timing of things, how long everything lasted and in what order everything happened and to describe the pottery and stuff and all of a sudden the cashier asked would you like some tea. I love tea and was like actually that sounds wonderful, thank you. And she went to get some hot tea, the ranger and I walked back towards the employee break room down the hall past the artifact restoration exhibit and she asked where I was from and what I knew about the area and I told her how truly minimal I had known about the various native cultures even those closer to my Midwestern home. When the cashier returned she handed me a cup of sage tea, and she asked if I was honest about what happened. I was really confused and said yeah, and she told me to drink. The tea tasted kind of like a no-salt vegetable stock, I wish I had some honey and lemon, but the lemon probably would have made it taste like chicken stock then ha ha, and they told me about what they think I had been near. Apparently they hear a few different stories concerning skinwalker activity throughout the year but none where someone sees the raven, and that's why they were telling me this. The cashier proceeded to tell me a bit about skinwalkers and how sometimes they curse objects to lure unsuspecting people in. She also said that the fact that the raven appeared and removed whatever enchantments I felt was very important, that someone greater than us was watching out for me at that moment. Because even though skinwalkers can choose many different animal forms even they would never appear as a raven, due to the spiritual importance of these birds, she said something about they carry messages from beyond our reality in their midnight wings, and if the raven appeared to me they could share certain information with me that they never share with anyone. She told me that the sage would help cleanse me of any remnants of the skinwalkers tricks, and suggested I see a shaman. I had already finished the cup of tea and was getting a little freaked out but oddly felt a little more calm after hearing her speak, and thanked them and left. I tried not to run to my car but walked very quickly to my car and left. That night and a night or two later I had some very vivid dreams but I can't remember anything of them. Which is weird, I usually remember my dreams when I wake up, at least long enough to write them down, but these dreams, even though they woke me up, I couldn't remember. I don't really know what happened or if they were pulling my leg but once I got home and really started looking into things I kind of feel. I don't know. I feel like I'm crazy, because I can't rationalize what happened. Even when writing this I realize how insane this all sounds. And I still can't even fully describe how I felt, how weird everything got, 
it's just hard to put into words. But I had to share this with people who might understand slash have their own insight. I had the most frightening encounter while fishing on a lake in northern Minnesota in a row boat. Late one night I saw something appear above the tree line at the end of the bay. It was cold and it had a weird shape. Then it dropped down above the water and flew directly over my head at UFO speed and stopped. Not knowing what it was, I just glanced up and saw a pure evil mass hovering above my head. I got a feeling of dread as soon as I made eye contact and thought my life was over. Several things went through my mind. That second I thought maybe I was about to be abducted even though I'd never heard of UFOs looking like a black cloud and that the only thing that I could do to save myself was to pray to God and I did. It hovered for about 20 seconds and then flew off exactly the same way it flew out. This was also seen by a friend from shore having a smoke out on his dock, looking for me. As soon as it left, I frantically paddled my way back to shore, looking back thinking that it could return. Words can't explain the level of terror that I had that night. It was pure evil and still haunts me to this day. Just not knowing what it was still bothers me because what I saw that night doesn't exist in our world but it was real. My friend and I sat at the kitchen table asking each other what that was. Nothing comes to mind that's what's so troubling. This changed my life forever. I never go outdoors at night by myself anymore, worrying that it might return. After that night, I went through some of the hardest times of my life. Strings of bad luck. I ended up getting fired at work and lost my house and also had heart issues and nearly lost my life. This all happened after that night. It was like an attachment. I still look up to the sky whenever I'm out at night fearing it might return. All I know is that whatever it was, it had to have come from a different dimension because what I saw that night just doesn't exist in our world. I'd only glanced at it for a few seconds but that was enough to know it was pure evil because when you're not a religious person and you think the only thing that can save you at that moment is to pray to God, then you know you're scared. It looked like a black cloud moving. Like it was alive. It was about 20 feet by maybe 15 feet wide. I had my two dogs with me that night and they were so scared they were trying to hide under my legs. When this happened, they were so scared they jumped out of the boats when we got close to shore. So I landed in my muck up to my knees and couldn't get to shore fast enough. When I ran up to the cabin, the door was locked so I pounded on the door until he opened it. Not knowing my friend had seen it from the dock, I came in with mud up to my knees and he didn't even notice. That's when I noticed his hands were trembling from fear so I asked him what was wrong, before even telling him of my encounter. He told me what he saw from the dock it was exactly what I had seen hovering over my head. We spent the rest of the night drinking at the table trying to make sense of what had happened but couldn't come up with explanations. Since that night he won't ever spend any time at his cabin anymore and you couldn't pay me enough money to ever return. I and two other guys were moving cattle from the eastern side of Bighorn National Forest, Wyoming. We got up early one morning and started working just as dawn was breaking. At one point, three of us saw this tall, thick creature standing along the forest edge watching us. One guy took three shots at it about 50 yards away with a 30-30. It screamed and we heard others crashing in the bush. We got our things together quickly as I wanted to lead our horses away from the wood line to give ourselves an edge in case we got charged. We would have more time to act and our feet would be on the ground in case of an attack moving south along the edge of the forest. We could occasionally hear something moving along with us. We turned east heading for the town and found a group of hunters camped out. So I decided to make camp with them. I felt like I had to tell the guide what was up. I didn't want to bring any problems to their camp but I felt like I didn't have much of a choice. That night we sat and listened to something a ways off just wailing for hours. Thankfully the guide had no problem helping us and most of all he was glad we told him nothing happened that night. The guy who shot at the thing quit as soon as we got back and we never heard from him again. I will say I feel if we hadn't found a hunting party we would have had a fight on our hands.
That was in 1979 and I'll never forget the sounds these things make. I have a story that goes back to the early 1970s. I'm from Linwood, Washington. I was traveling across Nevada from Idaho down to California. And it was early in the morning and I was outside of Winnemucca, Nevada about 5.30 or 6 a.m. I was by myself. It was out in the desert area and it was virtually uninhabited. A car came up behind me with two inhabitants who basically started following right on my bumper. I became concerned because it was apparent that they were really interested in getting me stopped. They would pull up alongside and motion me over and things like that. I was afraid. So, as we went along, this played out for several miles and they kept motioning for me to pull over and they came up alongside and I became quite fearful. Well, the oddest thing happened. Somehow, I was getting a flat right front tire as I could feel the car start to sway. I pulled up to a stop and off to the right was a house. These people pulled up in the car and stopped behind me. I didn't know what to do. I was afraid to get out and somebody came out of the house to a pickup, truck, that was running. And now this was the only house in the area. There was no other house around. And the older man walked out and he looked and one of the people in the car pointed to this guy and they went ahead and pulled on by me and took off. So I got out and I looked at the man and he was doing something around the pickup. So I went ahead and got my tire out and changed it and went on my way. Well, it made me quite fearful. On the way back from California, on the way back to Idaho, I looked for this place. I wanted to stop because it left such a mark on me psychologically. I found the place. It was totally uninhabited. Absolutely abandoned. No windows. No doors just an old shack. I honestly feel that something kept me from being harmed. Something chased these two guys away. Was it a guardian angel looking over me? That is what happened. Recently I have felt something following me around everywhere. I always feel like someone is watching me and I feel a hand on my shoulder or head when nothing is there. So I keep seeing this thing when I'm outside, it doesn't talk usually but I keep seeing it wherever I go. It's always behind a tree or hiding. When I was younger I used to go outside to swing next to the huge tree and I kept seeing a shadow figure stick its head out, but whenever I actually looked at it, it disappeared. It doesn't hurt or scare me, it's sorta like a father, it comforts me and yes it may be just an imaginary friend but it feels real. I keep feeling it touch me on my shoulder and I feel it next to me, always beside or behind me. When I sleep and face the wall I feel it behind me. There are times when I see it or hear it in a closet or in the hallway at night but it doesn't harm me. It doesn't harm me and it says it brings no threats, it's comforting to me and I talk to it sometimes and during school I write about it and I draw it. I might be crazy but it looks so real and it feels real. It's super tall no face, no accessories, nothing on it, a shadow figure, really skinny, I can almost see its bones, it has a low sort of raspy voice. It's nice and kind. It has never made me feel threatened or scared, I feel happy, relaxed and welcomed by it. I never can touch it though but it can touch me. If I try to touch it, it fades away. It's not around me all the time but he comes to me when I feel stressed or scared. No one else seems to see him but I know I see it, also I don't just see him behind trees, sometimes when I swing I see him next to the road and once I saw him next to the road somewhere else but it was signaling me to follow it. I'm not sure if he's a ghost, a bad spirit, a good spirit, an imaginary friend, a shadow person or anything else. Anyone who knows more about ghosts or might have an idea of what he, or it, is please tell, I don't want to get rid of it, but if you think I should please tell me. This happened years ago, I believe 2017. I was about 18 years old at the time having a party at my best friend's house in the woods with a bunch of us. I say the woods but that's just what we call it, it was still a neighborhood with other houses around, 
just far removed from each other with tons of forest around and no real town or village center. We live in Ontario, and this area is deep with indigenous activity and history, as is all of Canada, but our spot especially so. We live a stone's throw away from the first ever European settlement established in Ontario on the land of the Wendat. The party is going on and my friend who is hosting and has been completely sober in preparation for what we were about to do, pulls me aside and asks if I'll come with him to his hunting spot, to lay some apples and feed to attract deer for the coming mornings when he would go out and hunt. I say yeah of course, we get in the SUV with the feed and head to his hunting spot, leaving the party in the capable hands of our friends. The spot is about 10 or so minutes away from us so not too much of a hike, it's down a long and deeply wooded dirt path. We drive down this path for like another 5 minutes or so until we get to his spot. Unloading the feed in the pitch dark, with just a couple of flashlights to help, we start scattering apples and feed along the grounds. He checks his trail cams and such, and then we head back out. As we are driving down the dirt road, which is more like a wide path to be honest, suddenly from our right, a large light blue orb shoots slowly straight across our line of sight and weaves itself among the trees on the other side of the path slash road, and disappears. We sit silent for about a minute until I ask him if he saw that too. My friend keeps driving as if he had seen it before, and says I don't really want to talk about it dude. I asked him again if he at least saw it for sure and he said yes he did. This was a really cool experience and my friend and I still talk about it to this day, since then he's been more open about discussing the orb. I'm still not sure why he didn't want to talk about it at first, and how his reaction was so calm, I figure he must have had some experience before. I always loved the idea of camping in the woods. There's something about the serenity of nature that draws me in. So, when my friends suggested we go on a camping trip deep in the woods, I jumped at the chance. Little did I know that it would be a decision that would change my life forever. As we set up our campsite, I couldn't help but feel a sense of unease. The woods were so dark and dense that I could barely see anything beyond the reach of our campfire. But I brushed it off, thinking that it was just my nerves getting the best of me. As the night fell, we huddled around the fire, telling scary stories and roasting marshmallows. But soon enough, we heard strange noises coming from the woods. At first, we thought it was just an animal, but as the noises grew louder, we knew that it was something else entirely. Suddenly, out of the darkness, emerged a creature that I had never seen before. It was massive and covered in fur, with razor-sharp claws and glowing red eyes. We tried to run, but it was too fast. It tackled us and we fell to the ground. We fought back with all our might, but it was too strong. We managed to get away, but we were badly injured. We stumbled through the woods, trying to find a place to hide. We had no idea what had just happened to us. As we huddled in the woods, we realized that we were being hunted. The creature was still out there, and it was getting closer. We had to act fast. We gathered whatever weapons we could find and prepared for the worst. The creature emerged from the darkness once again, but this time, we were ready. We attacked it with all we had, and after a fierce battle, we managed to take it down. We didn't know what it was, but we knew that it was something that didn't belong in our world. As we limped back to our campsite, we were confused and terrified. We had just encountered something that we couldn't explain, something that defied all logic. We packed up our gear and left the woods, vowing never to return. To this day, I still have nightmares about that creature. I can't shake the feeling that it's still out there, lurking in the darkness, waiting to strike again. The woods may seem peaceful and serene, but there are secrets hidden in their depths that we may never understand. This morning I woke up at my usual time, 5 a.m., to go to the gym before classes. I'm off campus staying with my parents, however, they are away for a month, so I've had the house to myself. Well anyways, every morning I wake up, let my dog out to go do his business, 
shower slash brush my teeth, and let him back inside before I get dressed and leave. This morning I woke up feeling a little weird, the house had a strange energy and my gut sensed that something was up. I let my dog out into our pitch black backyard, the deck light didn't turn on like it usually does, which is unusual, but I thought nothing of it and went to go shower. After my shower I went back to the sliding glass door to my dog in, and I could see him sitting there waiting for me. I opened the door and watched him, a large black lab, walk in and under a table. I then proceeded to close the door and walk to my room to get dressed. Here's where it gets weird. As I was leaving the area where the back door is, I felt that same strange feeling that I had been feeling all morning. I decided to look at the dog's bed and noticed he wasn't in it, so I looked back at the door and saw, to my utter confusion, that he was still sitting outside. My stomach instantly dropped. I could have sworn on my life that I watched him come in the house and under a table. I walked back to the door, let my actual dog inside, and instantly searched my house to see if another animal came inside instead, I didn't find anything. As I thought more about it, the thing I let in before looked more like a shadow rather than a dog, and it moved differently, although it was around the same size. I called my girlfriend to tell her about it, as she was waiting for me at the gym, and she said it was probably just my imagination. But I have never ever imagined something this real, I wasn't even tired. I noticed that my dog was acting a little strange too, staring at one of our walls and growing quietly. I left soon after that and got on with my day. I'm at a loss. If anyone has a possible explanation to ease my nerves, because I'm really dreading sleeping there alone tonight.